Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Thursday, March 9th, and today's episode is a full slate breakdown for tonight's NBA games. You guys know I like to target this Thursday slate because we have the TNT games. We will all be watching. It will be nice to have some bets on them. But even more so than that, when we do have these primetime games, the lines are posted a few hours earlier, so we have more information to gather from the sports betting world. If we have these primetime games, it's higher likelihood that the star players are playing. We're not going to get any last-minute rests and DMPs that totally swing the lines and make this conversation quite moot. And these teams who play on these primetime games are generally not coming off the second leg of a back-to-back. We have Warriors taking on the Grizzlies and Kings-Knicks. None of those teams are on the second leg of a back-to-back today. So again, that's why these odds have been posted a little longer. That's why we can glean more from the gambling market, and that's why we can go into the slate with some good-feeling best bets that'll probably gain some positive CLV and go into the slate with an implied probability above the 52.4% threshold that's needed to be a profitable sports gambler. That's pretty much the premise of what we do here. I'm sure you guys know that. Let me quickly review the principles of bankroll management and unit distribution I so often talk about. I did want to reinforce this because we're coming off of two pretty bad days, our worst stretch in the NBA all season, probably my worst stretch in the NBA since I started this podcast, and that's over the course of two days. Coming off of two days prior to that where we gained 11 units, in the last two days we've lost 6.7 units, so still a net win, but I do want to explain why using my strategies of principles of bankroll management and unit distribution, having these high volatile days does not overly sway you in either direction. The fact that we can handle it, the fact that we are not going into these betting slates with too high of exposure, with too much of our bankroll invested, and therefore a big losing day or a big winning day doesn't swing things too much. So I've talked about this quite a bit. I talked about this on the mailbag episode A week or two ago, if you have not listened to the NBA gambling mailbag episode two weeks ago, go check that out. Definitely scroll back in the catalog. A lot of good gambling theory and gambling logic conversation. I even recommend that people listen to that conversation twice because it was quite dense in terms of gambling theory, gambling logic type of stuff. But in terms of the bankroll management and unit distribution, I always say one unit is equivalent to 1.2% of my entire bankroll. So I add up all the funds across all the different sports books that I have. You guys know I have accounts at four different sports books. I add up all four of those, create my net total, and that is my gambling bankroll. I find my 1.2% of that, and that is my unit size. So then I start, once I have my unit size and what my bet is, and I know my exposure is relatively low, I start playing this game against myself, and it's saying, can I get to plus five units before I get to minus 83 units? And of course, if you have 1.2% unit size and you lose 83 units, that would be the maximum that you could lose. That would be 1.2% multiplied by 83 equals 100% of your bankroll. So you have the cushion of losing 83 total units before going broke. On the flip side, we are trying to get to a point where we gain five units. We go net positive five units, which is equivalent to gaining 6% in our bankroll, right? Because 5% five units times 1.2% 
would equal 6% increase in our total bankroll. So if I'm starting from a blank zero slate and calculate my 1.2% unit, I'm asking myself, can I get to plus five before I get to minus 83? Now, this is a game that I've never, ever lost. And that's why I'm still here. Because if you lose that game and you go minus 83 before you hit plus five and can hit the reset button, play that game all over again. If you do go minus 83 before you go plus five, fellas, at that point, you just stop sports gambling, right? Simple as that. You've lost your whole bankroll. Don't reinvest it. Don't start the game over. Just get out of this market. Not for you. Sorry. Hate to break it to you. Would love if you keep listening to the podcast, but I wouldn't be investing your own money into sports gambling if you've lost 83 units before going a slight break even. So once I go plus five units and I'm plus 6%, I recalculate and this allows me to scale up my bets in accordance with my account growing. So if I'm crushing it over the last few months, I want my, and I've gained 36% ROI, my unit size should correspondingly be 36% higher. Now, Mike, what happens if you start increasing your bet size, but then you immediately start losing money? Well, we are sort of in that predicament right now, and let's go through it. On Saturday, I gained 7.2 units. I went 7-0. It was my best day in the NBA season so far. My best day sports betting in quite a while. On the Super Bowl, I won more because we had a lot of futures that cashed. But just in terms of picking off lines and hitting a bunch of stuff, that was my best day since week two of the NFL. So quite a long time. Saturday was a great day. 7-0 plus 7.2 units. And in doing so, we crossed that plus five unit threshold that I was trying to get to. And on Sunday morning, I woke up and I started the game over. Now, Sunday happened. We went eight and two. It was another dominant day. I gained 4.15 units, and I was less than another unit away from starting the game all over again. Now, doing that two days in a row, very, very abnormal. Sometimes it does happen. You certainly love when it happens, but I wasn't expecting it to be the case. Then the two days of reckoning happened, and over the last two days, I've lost a combined 6.7 units. So... If I gained 4.15 and then I lost 6.7, my net right now is negative 2.55 units at this new scaled highest unit I've ever bet with because I just knocked it up, given my big winnings on Saturday to my new 1.2%. So in the game of am I going to get to minus 83 before I get to plus five, I currently sit after two really tough days, my two worst days ever at Sports Ethos. I currently sit at minus 2.55. Guys, if you keep your exposure low, imagine yourself as being Floyd Mayweather. We're the type of boxer, hands up, we're staying protected, we're throwing our jabs, jab, 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 jab. We're picking off lines that we think are going to have a plus CLV that by the time the game tips off, that the alt spread, if you played that same line, would have an implied probability of like 55 or more percent. Everything above the 52.4% threshold that you need to be profitable. And again, 
jab, 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 jab. Keep taking small jabs at this market, and over time, we are going to be consistent winners. If you consistently play and make bets that by the time the game tips off have an implied probability of like 55 or 56%, then that's going to be roughly your hit rate. You're going to hit above the 52.4% threshold that's needed, and you're going to be a profitable sports gambler. So keep your unit exposure low. You do not want to be going into a slate where you've taken only a few lines and you have 20% of your account invested because if it goes the wrong way, poof. And then to say you go into the next day and the same thing happens again. We went into these last two games dominating the market. We were so far ahead of the numbers. The results didn't pan out. The process was A+. Plus. Like the process was absolutely there. Today, I went one in four. I had four and one in terms of plus CLV lines. So I would have made basically all the same bets again. It's it's not realistic to have every single bet beat the market, but to end up with 80% of my bets ahead of the market rate and all of them carry a 56% or higher implied probability, those were phenomenal bets that were placed. The math said so. The results... The way the cookie crumbled tonight, or last night, I'm recording this on Wednesday night, not as much, but we can't we can't reduce ourselves to a small sample size like that, and simultaneously, we can't use our bankroll to be overly exposed so that a small sample size of one night equivalently doesn't crush us. So again, these are the types of things that I say are dense sports gambling types of theory and logic. Listen to this stuff twice or three times until you start to get it. This is why I'm playing a high volume of NBA bets that are all half a unit, three quarters of a unit, sometimes one unit. I've had a few that have been higher units because I think I'm reading the board really well and crushing the CLV. Clearly, I am if I'm going into a slate with four to five bets that are ahead of the market. But generally, my exposure is really low. My volume's fairly high, and I'm jabbing away like I'm Floyd Mayweather. And if we look at the stats when it's all said and done, it's no surprise that I'm profitable for 11 years straight and Floyd's 50 and 0. Make sense? We good? No one's stressing over two bad days? We're going to turn this thing around and have a good one on this Thursday slate? Let's kick it off with the Houston Rockets traveling to Indiana to take on the Pacers. Now, this line opened at Pacers minus nine, quickly jumped to 9.5. I think there's even some tens in the market right now. So we are seeing some Pacers money come in. The splits right now are showing 56% of the bets on Houston, 52% of the money on Indiana. So Houston's getting more than half the bets. Indiana's getting more than half the money. This tells you the big money bettors are backing Indiana. That's why the line is moving that direction. This is sort of reverse line movement because the line is moving opposite directions of the classic amount, how many tickets are in the market, and where is the line moving in relation to the amount of tickets. So there are more tickets on Houston, but the line is moving towards the Pacers. Sharps are on the Pacers. This is a Pacers game. I do think the, the Rockets, I can't decide if the Rockets or the Pistons are the worst team in the NBA and like dreadfully atrocious. So, of course, taking a high spread against the Rockets, not the worst thing in the world for me. I am on the over in this game. It's at 235 and a half. Let me quickly pull it up. Scratch that. I'm on the under for this game. It's at it opened at 236 and a half. 
It's already at 235 and a half, so you can see it trending south. And there's even still some 236s left in the market. So as of right now, points bet is the only one that's still left it at 236. I hopped in when Caesars and DraftKings still had it at 236, but FanDuel, Bet Rivers, other things were showing it at 235.5. So a full point of movement towards the towards the total in the under. I am on the under at 236. And as of this recording, you could still get that number in a few places. The next game on the board is the Charlotte Hornets taking on the Detroit Pistons. Now, this line's been fluctuating quite a bit, and it offers a nice um, gambling topic to talk about. So there was an initial movement when this line opened at 4.5, all the way down to, this was um, Hornets minus 4.5. They're the favorite on the road. Again, Pistons are atrocious. Even though the Hornets are like amongst the four worst teams, they're still road favorites by nearly five points against the Pistons. That's how bad the Pistons are. Again, we might just have to see a Pistons rock. Actually, no one wants to see a Pistons Rockets game. Don't worry about that. We don't need to know who's worse. So the Hornets were a minus 4.5 in Detroit. Then this line quickly went the other way to Hornets minus 2.5. So that would imply there was significant money coming in on Detroit. If there wasn't any significant injury news, I haven't seen. I think Terry, I think Gordon Hayward, I think all the main guys for Charlotte are playing. Um, and we saw this move from minus 4.5 to minus 2.5. So people were backing the home underdog Detroit Pistons. And then we saw the second movement happen from minus 2.5 back to minus 3. So now we're asking ourselves, how can we read the various movements in the market? And this is how my interpretation of it is. And I'm looking at the indicators, and this is my current interpretation of it. The indicators say 57% of the bets on Charlotte, 70% of the money is now on Charlotte, even after I just said there was an initial large push towards the Detroit Pistons. Now, stick with me here. I think when the line first dropped at 4.5, there was an initial read in the market to take the home underdog Pistons. People jumped on the Pistons, and it went south to 2.5. We need to remember, as books start getting more information, they loosen the limits online. So you might be able to only bet $10,000 in the first two hours that it opens. And then once you've reached the six-hour mark, once it's been sharped around and moved around a little bit, and the market's getting a feel for where the original investments are, they'll push the line and say, okay, now your limits are 50000 Now your limits are 100000 So the limits are starting to be pushed out, and we saw people slam Charlotte at minus 2.5. So I think this large amount of Charlotte, 70% of money on Charlotte, all came in at the 2.5, and that pushed it out to minus 3. So now I'm thinking, okay, there's mixed messages in the market. There's clearly sharp groups on both sides. It might even be the same sharp group on both sides trying to create a nice middle opportunity for themselves. Or, or they might have put a little money down on Detroit to push the line down, knowing they wanted to slam it on Charlotte. However, I always say the second movement is the most important movement, and following the money is the most important trend to follow. I follow money over bet volume, and I follow second movement over first movement. So seeing 70% of the money on Charlotte and knowing that the second movement was from minus 2.5 to minus 3, that gives me a best bet of this game of Charlotte Hornets minus 3, currently available at FanDuel. I'm going to pause for a second. I'm going to say this again. 
That is heavy gambling theory and gambling logic type of reading the market. Go back and listen to that thing twice. Of course, you know the answer. I'm going to tell you to take Charlotte minus three. But know that as I'm explaining everything that's happening. So you can say, oh, now I'm seeing this start to unfold. Now I'm starting to be able to pick up on these trends so that you know I can do it for myself. I can identify these things and I can place bets in the market when maybe Mike's you know not dropping a pod or hasn't been able to tweet for a few hours or you know maybe I'm gone for a week or I'm sick or whatever and you still want to place bets. You want to find ways for yourself to be on the right side. Of course, I hope I could always be of service to you guys because I will be betting nonetheless myself. The Jazz are taking on the Orlando Magic in Orlando. The Utah Jazz go to, what's there? What's in Orlando? Disney World? The Utah Jazz are going to Disney World to take on the Orlando Magic. This line opened at Magic minus three and a half. There are still three and a halfs in the market. There's also three. So no big read on the um, spread here. It's pretty still close to the opening line. Let me check the splits right now. We are seeing a majority of the money come on Utah. So if you do want to get in on Utah at the plus three and a half, that's probably why you're seeing some threes pop up in the market. If you want to get in on Orlando as a slight home favorite, then you'd be better off waiting because, again, we're seeing this money come in on Utah. The line probably going to trend in the direction of the money. So if you wanted Orlando, you could probably get a 2.5 if you waited. If you wanted the Jazz, you'd want to go pick off one of those 3.5 spots now. And then, you know, watch it go to 2.5 by tip-off. And then, again, you're going in with a positive CLV ticket. If you wanted the magic side, you wait, noticing the trend in the market, and you get the best possible magic number that existed. So that's how you would play that from both sides. I don't have a bet on the spread. I do have a bet on the total. I got in on the total at over 230.5. It's at 232 now. I'm actually still okay with an over in this spot. The Utah Jazz have been a, a strong over team recently, um, 35 and 29 this season towards the over for Jazz. And recently they've been playing Walker Kessler less minutes. They've been playing more Chris Dunn, more Jordan Clarkson ever since they shipped out Mike Conley. They just have like less, they have more pace and less defense. So that tends towards over games if playing faster and less defensively. The Magic team, super inefficient on offense, but seem to be getting it together a little bit recently. Again, the Bucs seem to be their kryptonite. Two bad losses against the Bucs when the Sharps were all over the Magic, including myself. But uh, this game going from 230 to 232, 230 and a half to 232 is very telling. There was no movement to 231 or 231 and a half. It jumped immediately from 230 and a half to 232. So that's why I jumped in on 230 and a half for three quarters of a unit. If you could still find any 230 and a halves in the market, there are not. There's 231 and a half at points bet and bet rivers. FanDuel, DraftKings, and Caesars all have it at 232 and a half. Actually, FanDuel has it at 232. So even seeing 232 and a halves in the market, it would be okay to get in on the 232 if that's where you see it now. And literally just as I said that, it moved to 232 and a half. Okay, so Bet Rivers and Points Bet still have it at 231 and a half. I have it at 230 and a half. Now, this is your discretion and your decision of if the line has moved, are you still willing to follow the steam and jump in? Of course, you haven't gotten 
the best number, but you're taking the right angle on the game? Or do you just want to avoid it because, you know, maybe the value is already lost? That is for you to decide. The next game that's happening is the Golden State Warriors traveling to Memphis. The Golden State Warriors, whenever they travel, is a terrible idea. The Memphis Grizzlies, whenever they're home, is a great idea. I find myself still taking the road Warriors here. Now, I did this last game, ended up with egg on my face. I feel like it might happen again, but no jaw, no Steven Adams, no Brandon Clark. Like, this uh, Grizzlies team is very depleted. I know Tyus Jones is kind of a baller. Is Tyus Jones the next Jalen Brunson that once he's given his team to run with, he's actually, like, just a straight-up above-average point guard in the league? When Tyus gets his own team, let's all remember to put some most improved bets on him because if he has a Brunson-like season, he might get the award, and that's a you know 20 to 1, 30 to 1 type ticket that we are cashing in the future. Note to self for the future. Anyways, for this game, I'm on the Warriors minus 1.5. It's jumped up to minus 2 in a bunch of places. You might even be able to find some minus 1.5s. I'm okay with the minus 2. We know games don't really end at 1 or 2. 1 is the 11th most common outcome. Two is the eighth most common outcome in NBA games. So these numbers aren't super relative. It's when you get to the three and a half, four, five, that range where it really matters. So if you're seeing this at minus two or minus two and a half, I'm still okay with it. I'm on the Warriors. I think Dre, Clay, Steph, Poole, those guys should all be playing. Who knows where Wiggins is? That's a really strange and undeve- not even developing story, but it should be louder than it is. Hopefully Wiggins is all right. Um, yeah, and then in that game, the it seems like the total is moving towards the over. I think it opened at 235. There's already some 236s, and FanDuel right now has it at 235.5. I'm just on the uh, Warriors minus 1.5 for a full unit. I don't have any plays on the total, but it seems like the over would be the right play there. The next game, Milwaukee Bucks at home taking on the Brooklyn Nets. Word on the street is Giannis and Drew Holiday are both going to play. They're both listed as probable for this game. I think they both sat out last game, and they're both expected to play this game. However, on the flip side, the Nets already announced that Claxton, Royce O'Neal, Ben Simmons, and Cam Johnson are already out. I sneaked and picked up Dorian Finney-Smith in fantasy. Thank you to Dan Bespris' tweet for telling me all of that news. That's why you have to go follow Dan the Man on Twitter. If you're not, I'm sure you guys are all following Dan on Twitter if you Listen to this Sports Ethos presentation podcast. Anyways, Bucks opened as a minus 10. With the injury news, it moved to a minus 12 and a half. It's too far out for me to get in on this. There was originally even 13s in the market, and it's come back down to 12 and a half. Uh, because we don't know for sure that Giannis and Drew are going to play, I would recommend not taking this line unless you wanted the Nets to hope that they are get ruled out and you get ahead of this line. The other one would just be to wait if you wanted the Bucks, wait until Drew and Giannis are confirmed as active because this line is pricing them as active. Once we got the, the, the news that they were both likely going to play and the Nets guys that weren't going to play, it moved two and a half points immediately. So this line is priced given the injury news that is expected. So if you just wait until it's active, you're probably going to get the same line. Whereas if it anything changes, the line's going to swing horribly against the Bucks. So if you wanted to back Milwaukee, I just don't recommend doing it now. Do it two hours before tip-off. The next game is the Knicks taking on the Sacramento Kings. This is going to be an amazing game. I'm actually incredibly excited for this game. A uh, large amount of public money on the Knicks. 
I find myself on the Sacramento Kings minus four. And I feel like this is going to be a perfect reverse line movement spot that brews against the public steaming New York Knicks. Now, the Knicks lost their last one. But prior to that, they had won 10 in a row. The Kings, scrappy team who just saw Kevin Durant twist his ankle. Knock on wood for KD. Oh, I hate I hated seeing that clip of KD get hurt in warm-ups and end up in a walking boot. That is brutal. I just want to see a healthy Western Conference playoffs so bad. I just, even the Eastern Conference playoffs. I want healthy playoffs so badly. I want KD to have his work in time with the Suns so badly. I don't want injuries to be the story. I hate when they are. Anyways, that's a side topic. Knicks are taking on the Kings. Money's on the Knicks. I think this is a reverse line movement spot. I'm on the Kings minus four. I do see this line going to minus four and a half or minus five. That's the reason why I jumped in on it now instead of waiting because I thought it was going to be a positive closing line value ticket. So if this line does move to four and a half or five, it just makes me love it even that much better. That means it's moving in the direction that I want it to and it's going against the public steam. That would be a classic reverse line movement spot. It would even make me feel better about having it. I would even consider putting more exposure on the Kings minus four and a half if that's where I saw it move to. That would be Vegas and the sports books taking a stand against the public, backing the home Kings, fading the road Knicks. Knicks are a good team on the road. But again, this Kings team plays so fast. And I wonder if that's the kryptonite. I'm also on the over for this game. The over is at 225 and a half. I tweeted out 255 and a half, like a, a moron. It might get to 255 and a half. And that's why we're on the over. If this is a Kings game, the Kings minus four is highly correlated with the over 225 and a half. I have half a unit on both of them. Love both of those bets. Feel very good about this Kings game. I've been I've been nailing these Kings bets all year. I was on the the over for their win total. I think Kings and the Portland Trailblazers have been the two best teams that I've bet on. Anyways, that is a full slate breakdown for the Thursday night NBA games. I hope we get back on track. I hope you guys stay on track or or get back on track, remain on track, stay hot. However you've been doing, I hope we just all take the book's money. That is the goal. We are all on the same team. I will be back probably next week, perhaps this weekend. As always, thanks for tuning in. Peace out.